most incomprehensible part of that statement for me is the phrase, there is no question. No question at all after a significant loss or a tragic set of circumstances. How can anyone feel thankful when times are really tough? Well, it's Thanksgiving week again, and across the country, millions of people are trying to figure out how to celebrate this great holiday. Some of you have already decided to stay home and stay safe. Maybe some of you are planning to travel. Some of you may be bold enough to get on a plane or in your car, and you will fly or drive somewhere. You're looking forward to time off and a long Thanksgiving weekend. Meanwhile, the cooks among us will soon be hard at work, baking, basting, putting together casseroles, making pies, stocking up on soft drinks, and trying to prepare enough food to feed our families. Hopefully, around our nation this coming Thursday, millions of people will stop what they're doing and give thanks. Believers and unbelievers, Christians and non-Christians alike. For one day, many in this nation pause to give thanks to God. It is entirely right that we should do so. After all, the Bible itself says, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving, go into his courts with praise, give thanks to him and praise his name. Do we really believe that God is good as we turn our thoughts toward giving thanks? In the year 1620, the pilgrims had just landed. It is a well-known fact that the pilgrims came to America because of their Christian faith. They came because they loved God and they believed that God was leading them. They were not deists. They were Christians who believed that Almighty God had brought them to the shores of this nation. William Bradford, in his book of Plymouth Plantation, tells the reaction of the pilgrims when they landed at Cape Cod. Here's what he said. Being thus arrived in a good harbor and brought safe to land, they fell upon their knees and blessed the God of heaven who had brought them over the vast and furious ocean and delivered them from the perils and the miseries thereof. Again to set their feet on the firm and stable earth, their proper element. And no marvel if they were thus joyful. Peter Marshall, commenting on this historical moment, says they had begun their long journey by kneeling on the dock at Belshaven to ask for God's blessing. They ended it on the sands of Cape Cod, kneeling to thank him for that blessing. So I want to ask you today, what is the secret of thanksgiving? Why is it that some people approach this holiday with rejoicing and others with anxiety. Honestly, some people are not looking forward to this holiday. Some of you know 
that for you, Thanksgiving will mean either a day of loneliness or a day of busyness or just another day of work or perhaps a day of family strife that is pushed just below the surface. And then there's the frustration that many of us will experience as we watch the Detroit Lions lose again. But I digress. Some of us will look over the past 12 months and say, I don't really have that much to be thankful for. If you add up the pluses and the minuses of this year, it may seem to you that the minuses are greater than the pluses. And as you face Thanksgiving this year, you are a little like Ebenezer Scrooge. Bah humbug on the whole thing. I don't have anything to be grateful for. So what is the secret to being grateful in all circumstances? I'm going to share with you an answer, and it's just one word, and that word is contentment. Not happiness, not prosperity, not being free to do whatever we want, not winning the lottery. The answer is found in Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, where the Apostle Paul says, I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little. Would you like to know the definition of contentment? Contentment is realizing how much you already have, how much God has already given you, and how rich you already are. Let me say that again. Contentment is realizing how much you already have, how much God has already given you, and how rich you already are. The problem with many of us is we approach Thanksgiving focused on the circumstances of life. Far too many of us gauge our happiness and our joy and our contentment on how things are going on the outside. The Bible says it's not like that. Contentment is not a matter of outward circumstances. Contentment is a matter of understanding how much we already have. And that brings me to the book of Proverbs. I want to give you seven verses from Proverbs today that have all have the word better in them. Each one of these verses gives us a comparison, usually between something that's good and something that's better. Something that the world thinks is important versus something God says is important. And these seven verses explain the concept of contentment. Remember the definition of contentment. Contentment is a matter of understanding how much you already have. Proverbs 12, verse 9, tells us, Better to be an ordinary person with a servant than to be self-important but have no food. This verse always cheers me up when I read it. Here's what it means. Better to have no reputation and be thought of as a nothing and yet have your needs met than to be some hot-aired big shot and starve to death in your own home. Proverbs 15, 16. Better to have little with fear for the Lord than to have great treasure and inner turmoil. 
Too many of us have bought into the notion that it is money that brings us happiness. We think that if we just had another $1,000 or $5,000 or $10,000 or $50,000 or $500,000, then at last we would be able to buy that thing that we've been trying to buy. We'd be able to move up to a newer house, to a better car, to a better part of town, and that would make us happy. The Bible is not against wealth or prosperity, but it is very honest about it. I've known people who've had a lot of money who also have a lot of trouble. You know why that is? If you have a lot of money, everybody you know wants some of it. The more you have, the more people want. Just ask some of the lottery winners. Did you ever read the book Hang Time by Bob Green? It's a story about the great basketball player, Michael Jordan. And the saddest part of the story of Jordan's life is that basically he could never for one day live a normal life. He couldn't go to the drugstore, he couldn't go to McDonald's or to the mall, he couldn't even walk down the street. In fact, he could never do anything unless he was surrounded by security guards and protected, to some degree, from the rest of the public. And you may think, well, give me his $65 million and I'll take that too. And I don't think most of us would. There are people who are so rich that they are imprisoned by their riches. And so it is with some of the multimillionaires and multi-billionaires in this world. The more money a person has also increases the likelihood that there are more issues to deal with. Proverbs says it's better to have a little and be obedient to God than to have a great bottom line bank account and a life full of turmoil. Proverbs 15, 17. A bowl of vegetables with someone you love is better than steak with someone you hate. Translated, it means that it's better to eat cold beans with people you love than to have a T-bone steak with a bunch of people who can't stand to look at your face. There's a reason why people get depressed at Thanksgiving and at Christmas. Why? They hate to go back home. It is because you know that when you go back home, you see all those relatives you haven't seen in a while, especially when some of them get a little tanked up with the holiday spirit, and all those old hurts and all those old things start coming out. Now, I understand that's not everyone's experience, but it's true for a lot of people. And what ought to be a joyful, happy time becomes an unbearable struggle. And you're just praying to God to survive until the time comes when you can leave and go home. Better, the Bible says, to eat beans in a family where you are loved than to have the richest food in the greatest hotel where there is hatred and strife and turmoil. Proverbs 16, verse 8. Better to have little with godliness than to be rich and dishonest. That is to say, it's better to do the right thing and struggle than to do the wrong thing and be rich. Better to follow the rules and go broke than to cheat and climb your way to what you think is the top of the ladder. It is better to struggle to make ends meet, but know that you're doing the right things in the eyes of God than to cheat other people just to have it all. 
Proverbs 16, 19, better to live humbly with the poor than to share plunder with the proud. Proverbs 17, 1, better a dry crust of eaten in peace than a house filled with feasting and conflict. And this is what Thanksgiving and Christmas are for far too many people. A house full of feasting with conflict. And what should be a joyful time of the year with people you love becomes more of a struggle to endure and to survive. Proverbs 28.6, better to be poor and honest than to be dishonest and rich. What is contentment? Contentment is realizing that we are better off the way we are right now. If we are dreaming of more money and more material possessions, contentment is realizing how much God has blessed us and how much we have right now. And in reality, most of us truly are better off the way we are right now. I want to share with you a little mathematical equation, and it's not too difficult. I want, you to, I want to give you four steps to the equation for a happy Thanksgiving. If you follow these four steps, you too will have a chance at a happy Thanksgiving day this year. It's going to be an interactive exercise. You can't just sit there. So take out a piece of paper and do this right now, in part because I really don't trust you to do it later. Where does a happy Thanksgiving begin? Well, first you have to add something and then subtract something and then multiply something and then we're going to divide something. First, we need to add our blessings. In the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, the Lord says, following to, to the people of Israel uh, as, as they are poised on the bank of the Jordan River, overlooking the promised land, frightened to death to go into the promised land and conquer the walled city of Jericho, scared to death of the Canaanites, God says, you may say to yourself, these nations are stronger than we are. How can we drive them out? Do not be afraid of them. Remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and Egypt. Remember the Red Sea. Remember the Exodus. Remember you saw with your own eyes the great miraculous signs and wonders, the mighty hand, the outstretched arm with which the Lord your God brought you out. So the first step in having a happy Thanksgiving is to have a good memory of God's blessings. Take a moment right now to remember at least three blessings that God has sent into your life in the past 12 months. Write them down. Second, we need to subtract our losses. The Bible says in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. <clears throat> Romans eight twenty eight. 
And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. What are your losses, your difficulties, your defeats, your failures, your humiliations, times in the last year when it didn't work out for you the way you thought it was going to? When you look at your life, put those things into the debit column. Subtract them right now. Maybe it's a bitterness or a resentment, a broken relationship. Write down three things that you need to subtract from your life today. Now third, we need to multiply our promises. First Peter chapter 1 talks about ex- the exceeding great and precious promises of God. The Bible is a book filled with the promises of God, and that's what I want you to think about. Think about the promises that God has made to you, or about you or for you, promises that you're hanging on to right now, the promises that as a Christian that are sustaining your life right now. Are you reading your Bible? God gave it to us. He gave us lots of promises. Hebrews 13, 5 I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Psalm 91, 1. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Psalm 1, verse 6 says, The Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Job 23, 10. He knows where I'm going, and when he tests me, I will come out as pure as gold. Write down at least three promises that are meaningful to you right now. And finally, we need to divide our burdens. Galatians chapter, two, uh, chapter 6 verse 2 says, Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. We divide our burdens by taking on someone else's burden. When we help somebody else with their burden, the burden grows lighter. And when we reach out a helping hand to someone else, the Lord makes the way easier for us. So many of us are a little too inward focused, a little too myopic. We spend a lot of time looking at ourselves. Write down the name of at least three people you know have a burden that you could help with this week. Maybe you could give them a call. Maybe write them a letter. Give them some money. Give them a hug. Go see them. Help them with a project. Bake some cookies or some food. Spend some time with them. Instead of focusing on your own problems, think about dividing your burden. And ask the Lord to show you who you could help this week. So one more time. What is contentment? Contentment is realizing how much we already have. We are better off than we think we are. If you aren't content, why not? You may have more than you think you do. God has given you more than you realize. And people all around you need you more than you know. 
And if you have any doubts about that, consider this. There is no question in our minds that God is good and we praise him even when times get tough. Can you say that? Is your heart heavy this morning? Do you think you have some pretty heavy burdens? I'm reminded of the old saying, I complained about having no shoes until I met a man with no feet. There is no question in my mind that God is good and we are called to praise him in all things. Here's your homework. Take this exercise that we have done together and do it with some members of your family or your friends this week. Sit down, do a little adding and subtracting and multiplying and dividing. And may this week for you be what every day should be, a day of true thanksgiving, thanksgiving to God who is good all the time. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious God, give us eyes to see your blessings. Give us hands ready to reach out and help those in need. Give us hearts to rejoice in you and lips to sing your praise. Help us to understand that whether we see it or not, whether we know it or not, whether we feel it or not, you are good all the time. Thanks be to God. Amen. We're going to wrap our morning up together with a song this morning. To be content that God's grace truly is enough.